This is the All Pro Wrestling 100 Podcast for November 23rd, 2020. This is WWE Survivor Series results and recap show with the Undertaker Retirement Edition. This podcast is all pro wrestling and only pro wrestling. I'm your host, JB. Tonight we're going to talk about all the happenings at Survivor Series. We're going to break down each match. We're going to talk about The Undertaker's final promo and what may be the last time we see Mark Calloway play this iconic character on television in an empty arena. Let's get to it. The first match of the night is a traditional Survivor Series match, Team Raw versus Team SmackDown, because everything has to have a brand implication these days. AJ Styles, Riddle, Keith Lee, Braun Strowman, and Sheamus taking on Jey Uso, Kevin Owens, Otis, Seth Rollins, and King Corbin. I've been thinking that King Corbin and Rain Victoria, who worked AEW Dark this week, she wears a crown. We, we talked about this and how she looks like an adult entertainer doing cosplay of Game of Thrones. Uh, I think that Corbin and Rain Victoria should start an intergender tag team. They should call it the Iron Throne. Maybe they can ride uh, to the ring on a dragon. This is what I'm saying. There are too many uh, iron-looking crowns in pro wrestling right now. It's a very strange and very specific thing to have two of in one week on television. The first interesting thing to happen in this match is about 10 minutes in, when Seth Rollins sacrifices himself to Sheamus and was kicked in the face and pinned, showing no defense whatsoever. Uh, that was interesting. I've never seen that happen before. He said, do your part. So Sheamus kicked him in the face and pinned him. I guess we could create a storyline where Seth still believes he's out to save Monday Night Raw because he just has no interest in SmackDown, so he sacrificed himself for the greater good. AJ took five huge bumps in the first 12 minutes of this match. He eliminates Kevin Owens after Kevin Owens nearly breaks his back with a botched move sequence. Riddle eliminates Corbin to make it a 5-2 Raw lead. Braun Strowman comes in, who is in the best shape of his career right now. He manhandles Otis, eliminates him, which leaves Jey Uso as the last member of the SmackDown team. Keith Lee catches Jey Uso in an off-the-top rope move, catches him on his shoulders, and tosses him into the air and catches him for this uh, spirit bomb finisher of his. He gets the pin. Raw sweeps. They win 5-0. Next match, we got the Tag Team Champs versus Tag Team Champs. We got the New Day dressed up as Gears of War doing cosplay in the video game universe. They're taking on the Street Profits doing cosplay dressed up as Private Party from AEW. In the Gears of War promo, speaking of AEW, Kofi gives a nice little shout out to Orange Cassidy. That was pretty cool. Hey, hey, Kofi. Hey, freshly squeezed is a catchphrase that somebody has on the rival program. Somebody should let you guys know that. Haven't seen anything like that since the Street Profits gave a shout-out to the North, who at the time were the Impact Tag Team Champions about a year ago last November. So that was equally ridiculous. Yeah, that happened. So anyway, Street Profits hit the blockbuster on Woods. They get the pin. Next, we got a backstage segment where WWE put 10 people on the screen to try to distract me from Vince McMahon's latest insanity, but I saw it. He can't sneak it by me. Peyton Royce has purple hair. What the fuck? Okay, first she's the brunette BFF of Billy Kay. And they are iconic. Okay, next she's the sassy Australian blonde with Lacey Evans, and they do that shtick for about, I don't know, three and a half minutes. And, by the way, during that time she was a really shitty friend. And now she's Grimace. She's Grimace from the McDonald's Happy Meal. Yep, 
Yeah, look out, Nia Jax. Grimace is going to steal your milkshake. She's going to take it down under. You know, all these hair colors and this schizophrenic personality change, maybe this is actually really good writing. And Peyton's character is supposed to be some insecure actress who's living in a foreign country in the midst of a pandemic and has no confidence anymore in her own ability to make decisions about her character. So maybe it's great writing. Next up, Sami Zayn, the Intercontinental Champion, going to take on Walking Armageddon Bobby Lashley, the U.S. Champion, with the Hurt Business, who is now my favorite WWE stable. Hurt Business intro was so long that Sami was actually able to plot revolution in two Central American countries. Because in case you missed it, like, Sami spent his quarantine in Canada and he came back a socialist revolutionary. And he came back in great shape, but now he's lost some of his muscle and he's getting soft again. It's probably hard to get the protein you need while you're busy fomenting revolution in the jungle. Sammy loses via distraction and the hurt lock. And uh, Sammy sees injustice in this outcome, as he often sees lately on television. Next up, we got a backstage promo where Jey Uso goes to see his daddy, Roman Reigns, the head of the table, and tells him that he's sorry he lost. And he dries his eyes and he sniffles and rubs his nose on his shirt sleeve. And Roman says, hey man, what's your problem? Are you professional or not? Yeah, man, you, you gotta get out of here. You can't win. You can't be a loser. Because you suck. He says, get out of the building, man. Get out of here. And so he, he kicks Jay out. He says, you're a loser. You get out of the building. So Jay has to leave. Apparently there was some question as to whether or not Roman actually possessed the lease to this particular arena, but Jay believed that he owned the arena and had the power to ask him to leave, and so Jay walks off camera. Next up, women's champion versus women's champion. Asuka versus Sasha Bluebanks. Sasha has many styles of ring attire, but my personal favorite is the classic bra, panties, and knee-high boots. Sasha wins a well-paced and physical battle here. Best match so far of the night. Remember last week when I made a joke about the bad writing and said that the gobbledygooker came in the ring and laid an egg? In the pre-show, the gobbledygooker won the 24-7 title from R-Truth. And then at this point in the pay-per-view, the gobbledygooker is jumped in the back and pinned by Tazawa while he's following a trail of bird feed. This happened. Gobbledygooker. Back on television. Awesome. You know, in an era where no one's job is safe in the WWE and with mass layoffs and firings and upheaval and pandemic uncertainty, it's good to know that the gobbledygooker has job security. That's good. It's time for the women's traditional Survivor Series match. The Raw team of Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Lacey Evans, Grimace, and Lana taking on the SmackDown team of Bayley, Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, who was stunningly beautiful tonight, and Natalya. Natalia, by the way, celebrated her 51st birthday this weekend, so happy birthday to you, Natalia. Yeah, everybody congratulate Natalia. That's awesome. There we go. Uh, Lacey and Natty early on in this match. I'm not a fan of Lacey's military mom persona, but I'll dig those shorts. And meanwhile, Natty wore a full body suit. Yeah, Natty didn't wear shorts. Natty didn't show any skin tonight, and I believe this is the same bodysuit that Natty wore at WrestleMania 3 when she fought Wendy Richter. Moving on, later Lana tags herself in on Nia Jax, and she did good, but the whole team was mean to her, which continues to sell this story that Lana needs sympathy. Hey guys, I think she has all the sympathy she's going to get at this point. Bianca Belair and Bailey took turns beating up Grimace, and complete chaos ensued. You know, I was on the front half of my seat through most of this match. I was not on the edge of my seat, but I was leaned forward, and I would say on the front 50% of my seat. However, I noticed the LCD screens, they seemed rather disinterested. Yeah, most of the LCD screens were looking down at their phones or were talking to the screen next to them. 
they really didn't seem very interested in what was going on in this match. It's because there's no stakes in these matches, you guys. You could keep the plastic LCD screens interested if there were some stakes in these matches, if the storylines would carry on beyond tonight. Grimace eliminates Bailey, and then Natty comes in to save her. Now, this is Natalia's seventh Survivor Series, uh, starting with the first Survivor Series when she was actually on Bobby Heenan's team, teaming with Andre the Giant. Natalia eliminates Grimace via the not-so-sharp shooter. Lacey Evans hits Natalia with the women's right and gets the elimination pin on old man Natty. Has anyone ever noticed that the women's right is basically an illegal close fist? You know, I got half a mind to send a strongly worded email to the Athletic Commission about this one. While watching the Riot Squad work over Nia Jax later in the match, I found myself daydreaming about the fact that the Riot Squad's current getup reminds me of the lesbian biker gang that I always hoped I could run into while hitchhiking through the desert southwest. Shayna Baszler pins a passed-out Ruby Riot, and as Liv Morgan gets worked over by Lacey Evans, I happen to see one of the LCD screens in the background leave to go to the bathroom. Liv Morgan eliminates Lacey, and then Nia Jax eliminates Liv, who, by the way, Liv Morgan took the best bumps in this match and probably takes the best bumps in the WWE women's division right now. So it leaves Bianca Belair to take on the Raw Tag Team Champions of Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Shayna chokes out Bianca, but is disqualified because she won't let go of the choke. Meanwhile, Nia pulls her out of the ring, and Nia and Bianca fight, and are both counted out. So as a result, the only person left in the match is Lana, who is standing on the steps where she's been told to stand by her team and not move, and has never come back into the match from the first five minutes when she was in there and got yelled at by everybody. So Lana is the sole survivor, and she wins. And this is a fun match. This was better than the men's match. I enjoyed this, even though the LCD screens did not seem to entertain, and whoever was working the controls in the back didn't pipe in much crowd noise for this one. I enjoyed it. This was a good match. You know, they had to save the crowd noise effect so we could pipe in extra crowd noise for the world title match, ladies and gentlemen. We got a world title match between the world champion Drew McIntyre and the universal champion Roman Reigns. It is the world versus the universe. Roman comes out first, which is total bullshit. Meanwhile, Drew McIntyre comes out in his Braveheart gimmick again. This is just terrible. It's hokey nonsense, and it makes the WWE look childish. Not a fan. Uh, match starts with tests of strength. Drew gets the advantage on these. Uh, eventually, we switch over to heel tactics, and Roman gets the advantage using a bunch of closed fists, forearms to the face. This is a great match. Honestly, it's probably too good since there's no real stakes here. Next, we got a ref bump, as usual, and Jey Uso is back. He did not listen to the Tribal Chief, and he did not leave the arena. He did not believe that Roman Reigns actually owns the lease on this building, and he runs in, and he super kicks Drew McIntyre. Followed by a guillotine by Roman Reigns, McIntyre passes out. Roman wins. He wins nothing. He wins the Battle of Pride. The universe is greater than the world. Here's my problem with Survivor Series. You know, as fans, we look forward to the pay-per-view for three weeks. And at the end of the pay-per-view, we look forward to Monday. All you have to do is write a half-decent story, and we're going to look forward to Monday. And it never ends. It's a cycle that never ends, and we never question it because we love pro wrestling. The problem with these one-off fights, and it's not just Survivor Series. Vince does this throughout the year. There's no story, and there's no continuation. So this might as well be a gladiator match where one of the guys just gets written off afterwards, and we never see him again. You know, I'm sure there were great gladiator matches back in the day that people talked about, but there was never a return match. And nobody ever drew any extra money on it because they never got to fight again. And that's what we've got here. By the time you get around to having Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns have the second chapter of this battle, nobody's going to care 
about the first chapter of this battle. And by then, Roman will probably be wearing his bulletproof vest again, and he'll be a good guy, and Drew may turn heel, and nobody really knows what's happening from day to day anymore. A lot was put into this match that's never really going to go anywhere. From the writing of the match and calling great spots to the athletic maneuvers pulled by these athletes who could have very well got injured in this match, again, that means nothing. So that's my problem with Survivor Series in general. Post-match, Jey Uso and Roman Reigns make up. They hug. They're back part of the family again. Okay, I guess you get to stay in the building now, Jay. Uh, next segment here, we say goodbye to The Undertaker. And, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to wrap this podcast up momentarily because I didn't anticipate actually seeing the end of The Undertaker tonight. I kind of was of the thought that somebody like Brock Lesnar was going to run out in the midst of the ceremony and, and we were going to get another chapter of this, but we didn't. And so what it says to me is that the end of The Undertaker's legacy is going to be spent in an empty arena. And that's sad. This starts off with bringing out people that The Undertaker has worked his career with, this goodbye segment. To close the show, we start with Shane McMahon. We get the big show. We get JBL. We get Jeff Hardy. We get Mick Foley, The Godfather, The Godwins, Sabio Vega, Rikishi, Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels, Booker T, Ric Flair, Triple H. The last person to come out is Kane, and he's on full gimmick, which is pretty cool. I thought The Undertaker might interact with these people. But after Kane gets out in full gimmick and, and kayfabes everybody, he refuses to interact with anyone in the ring, they play a video package, and when they come back, Vince is there, and the, and the ring is empty. And of course, the arena's empty, except for the LCD screen, so it's just Vince. And when it's just Vince, and when you know what's coming, we're all reflecting on our own age at this point. You know, Vince is looking old, and he's sounding frail, and his frame is smaller than it used to be. And... You know, he's saying goodbye to his greatest creation. And for those of us that have watched this all, it forces us to acknowledge that we're aging out too. It's not just The Undertaker or Mark Calloway or whatever you want to call him. And it's not just Vince McMahon who, he looks smaller. He sounds less forceful. And, you know, his collars on his shirt are a little loose now. It's a little more forced. And The Undertaker still looked great. And I'm sure there could still be more matches, and I'm sure we'd love it. But there won't be. I believe this is the retirement, and this is the end. And what that means for all of us is that The Undertaker's last moments didn't get to be spent in an arena with adoring fans who would save that ticket for the rest of their lives and frame it. No, The Undertaker's last moments were spent in an empty arena because as a country, we couldn't come together and find a way to safely celebrate the great moments in our lives. So we all have to sit alone at home. And we have to watch this man stand alone in an arena and say goodbye to a 26 or 27 or 30 year career. I'm not sure how long it's been at this point. I know Survivor Series. He fought in a Survivor Series match. I saw him fight uh, Jimmy Snuka, I think was the first time I noticed him. So I don't know how long he's been here. Michael Cole's given us stats throughout the program. They probably fell on deaf ears because, to be honest, I didn't really want to think about it. Like I say, I was hoping... Brock Lesnar would run out, or CM Punk would come out, or John Cena, anybody to stop this empty arena, uh, empty moment, which should have been something we all had a chance to celebrate together, and instead we all celebrate separately. We all mourn separately. Uh, I don't have anything good to say about it. 
The Undertaker cut a very short promo with all of his cliches, and then he just spent some time looking around this empty arena and contemplating everything as we all watched, and then he walked away. I don't know how you are supposed to write something like that. I guess that's as good as it gets. Goodbye, Undertaker. This has been the All Pro Wrestling 100 Survivor Series recap and Undertaker retirement farewell. Thank you for listening. Subscribe where you listen to podcasts. We're going to have a raw review come out on Tuesday morning. We've got a segment in the can now, the introduction to All Pro Wrestling 100 and the review of my rival podcasts. The podcast I listened to that inspired me to make this because of their inferiority, let's be honest. I believe I can do this better or I wouldn't be doing it. So we have podcast review and intro segment coming up tomorrow. Raw review Tuesday. Goodbye, Undertaker.